what builds partnerships? Your character, your personality. You have to have that personality. You have to have that, that resilience about you. You have to have that self-confidence about you. And you have to know that nothing is beyond you or beyond your achievement. The University of the Free State presents a series of conversations with outstanding alumni from this great institution. Voices from the Free State. My name is David Uwa. I am an entrepreneur and the former Black Management Forum Bluefontaine branch chairperson. I was born in Nigeria. I grew up partly in Nigeria and uh, a part of it I grew up in the UK. Um, I have very strong family ties in the UK. The rest of it from that point still is in South Africa. So um, I have a combination of quite a lot of places. I had always seen myself as a global citizen. And being a global citizen means that I accept everyone from any part of the world. And I would always tell people that, you know, I have drawn to myself the good part of of Nigeria, the good part of the British, and the good part of South Africa. And I've fused all that in one. And I oftentimes tell people that somewhat I am Eurocentric in my mind and the way I think, but my heart is Africa. I have a very great passion for Africa. I just believe in the fact that we live in a global village and we need to look at a situation where there's a lot of different people, different languages, different culture and different way of life. So it's, you cannot live in the world we live in today and think that your, your culture or your language is the best. There are a million of them out there and a million people with very good character and very good personality that you could get along with. So it opens your mind to the rest of the world. My childhood, um, from the time I was born up until when I was 18, I spent in Nigeria. Those were fun memories. Uh, I used to love playing football on the street. 
where we lived and I played football on the street without any football boots. And um, I used to love to, uh, we used to ride bicycle on the street with my friends. I used to uh, be able to, uh, we actually skateboarded as well. We used to have fun quite a lot more often. And uh, I, I used to hang out with my friends and we, you know, take walks on the long walks. And, you know, we used to go look for grasshoppers so on the grass. And we used to catch grasshoppers and we put them in a little bottle and we uh, close the bottle and we watch them. And then after a while, we release them. And yeah, and uh, one of my biggest experiences was uh, I love fishing. We used to buy these uh, fishing hooks. Um, we buy the fishing hooks and then we used to like, you know, tie it up to a long rope and uh, tie it through a particular kind of um, foam-like uh, things that they used to like guard um, electronic gadgets when you buy them from the shops. So we tie them so that when, when the fish bites, we can see that, that move. And then you know that there's a fish biting and then you pull it. So um, we used to do that and then we cut the fish and then we put it in a bowl of water. And then we later release them into the pond as well. And then the next day we come back to, collect, to cut them again, you know. So um, it, was, it was fun. And then uh, afterwards, um, Moving to the UK because my, my mom moved back to the UK. Uh, I moved, I went to the UK and it was a different, different vibe, you know, where you come from a tropical part to a place where you get strange weather with the cold and the rain and, and all that. So um, it wasn't the same as uh, the summer or the heat that you experience in Africa. So, um, it was interesting because I had cousins who were living in London as well at that point. And uh, we all used to hang out, you know, at each other's birthday parties, you know, uh, between South East London and North London. I had, I had cousins from, from Glasgow in Scotland and uh, people, friends as well who lived in, in Aberdeen in Scotland. So you got all that and the most interesting part of growing up or living in, in London was the fact that you you were made to eat the fish and chips. Uh, it was a local cuisine. You had your kebabs, you know, with these uh, Turkish people with the meat rolling around and you know it's a bit uh, greasy, but uh, we we really enjoyed it. My father was working with the Nigerian Railways, and uh, he was the expert in um, in boilers. And uh, my mom was was an entrepreneur. Uh, she ran her own small little business people who went to America and uh, uh, long clothes and shoes and she bought them from them and then sold them at a profit 
and then she later went into um, bigger business in 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 transportation. Her parents were strict, and one of the fundamental rules uh, that was imbibed in us as kids was the the fact that we needed to have respect for people. You have respect for people, you have respect for elderly people. And um, education was was very, very important. It's not all about uh, if you want to, you know, be a football player or if you want to be, uh, if you want to be a, um, a ballet dancer. You know, you gotta go to school. You gotta go to university. You gotta have a degree. You gotta reach the highest of academics. So it was it was important that we all did not falter on that aspect of education. So we we went to good schools, and you know we all aspired to be to get to varsity and you know study medicine, study uh, engineering, you know stuff like that on at that professional level of um, of career. That was what was imbibed in us uh, as as kids. So um, that never left me <laughs> as it is, you know. So I do the same thing with my kids as well. I went to, we went to primary school and uh, in our primary school, it was a battle as to who came first, second and third. That was all our parents wanted to know. What I wanted to become as a child, I had always wanted to be a medical doctor. That changed, obviously, you know, with the uh, transitions that we make in life. You know, as we as we go along in life, there's always these uh, changes that uh, that occur. You know, what you what you thought of might just necessarily not be what you end up with. So I'd always thought growing up and uh, being in school to study um, medicine and um, end up being a doctor and end up um, helping people. I think that would have made my parents proud because those were the uh, set of bars that we all had to, like, you know, uh, get to. My older brother was uh, one of the first few black lecturers that was appointed at the University of the Free State. So he said to me, listen, dude, why would you want to go to Greenwich? Why don't you come to U- UFS? And uh, it's, it's a different place and you would, you would like it. I thought a lot about it and, you know, the whole thing with Nelson Mandela and and all that was a bit fascinating at that point. And that was where I decided to make a trip down to, to Bluefontein, straight to Bluefontein. Landed in Yansmut Airport at that time, it was called Yansmut. And uh, from Yansmut, I then took another flight down straight to uh, Bluefontein. Got out of the airport. At that point, you won't believe it. Um, the luggage carrier or the uh, uh, van that took your luggage from the plane onto the airport 
was actually a tractor, a farming tractor. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. Huh? It was a, far, a farm tractor. And I was like, goodness gracious, you know, you haven't really seen this anywhere else. What course I studied at the university? Uh, I registered to study Bachelor of Social Sciences, BSOC SC. My three majors were uh, psychology, first sociology, second and communication. And uh, with that, I thought to myself, moving forward from that and moving uh, to that to a point uh, where I, I would form a, a career, I then thought of being a clinical psychologist. So, so after my uh, uh, undergrad, well, I did BSOKC for my for my uh, um, that I studied, and it was so so interesting, and um, I I liked it, and I went ahead to do sociology for honors and then after my sociology uh, after my honors i proceeded to do postgraduate diploma uh, in disaster management that itself was actually a combined uh, structural masters so after my uh, postgraduate diploma I get a certificate for that, and then I proceeded to do my um, my mini dissertation. Uh, but I didn't complete that, um, so I still have that hanging. So, um, so that that is those those were the uh, uh, courses, and that that's that I studied. Uh, I must say my first year, I've never been so focused in my life. My first year was, I was, I was like a robot. I studied so hard, I, I did nothing else but study. I got, for that year, I got most of my uh, um, courses, I got distinctions. And because you got distinction in, your, uh, in the tests, at the end of the test that you have written, you, uh, you don't have to write exams. So if you get above 75% in all the tests that you've written, put together, you can choose not to write exam. So I, I didn't write exam for, I think was about uh, two of my courses. Second year came, I got a girlfriend and meeting people i started having friends and we used to we used to go to like i said to you we used to go to mystic mystic brew and then there was this 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 place in bramvag where we used to go play pool um every friday and uh, i met quite a, a number of guys on campus second year because i was one of the first few international student that started at UFS. I then was uh, approached by the international office to, to be the uh, president of the International Student Association.
my second year. I struggled a bit. I struggled a bit, uh, but I made it through. <laughs> so uh, my my affiliation to the international office, the international office was then formed by the university. Um, that was where I met the rector, Professor Steph Kotsie. I started two companies. The first one is CafeNet Computers. CafeNet Computers is uh, IT, uh, information technology and ICT industry. And then I do quite a, a bit in the electronic part of it as well. And then you have Brand New Africa. Brand New Africa is more into your corporate branding and marketing. So we have Brand New Africa, corporate branding and marketing. And then you have Zenfika Sahara. Zenfika Sahara is more into your supplies. Any items that needs to be supplied from one point to the other. That's what we do in Zenfika. And then ZNND, which is uh, one of my great pride and joy. We have uh, two aspects of what we do. The first of it is in facility maintenance. So we maintain the facility of corporates. Uh, we've done for certain corporates where we maintain their, their buildings and, you know, in the area of uh, construction, uh, plumbing, electricals and everything that to make sure that that building is maintained, dilapidated. And then the other part is uh, renewable energy. Renewable energy, solar, vending system, and your smart meters. So we install solar plants uh, for big solar plant projects. We also do commercial and industrial solar plant, and then we attach, we connect them via the grid, and uh, put in your vending system. That's where you generate your token for your electricity. And then we now will also do your smart meters. So those are the companies that, uh, that I have. When I finished my undergrad, I went back to London. And I was in London for, uh, I think it was about um, two or three years. And uh, I decided to myself, I have grown past London. I would need to come back. So I came back. And when I came back, um, at that point in, in the UK, you had a lot of, um, I admired this guy that owns uh, EasyJet planes that flew around Europe. Um, and this guy, he was a, he was a guy from Cyprus. Uh, so he also owned what you called EasyNet in all around London, West End, central London, where all the tourists would go and use the internet. So I got that idea and I thought to myself, I need to bring that in back to South Africa. So when I came back to South Africa, I came back and I bought a few computers from uh, London and, you know, shipped them down. So now I started my internet cafe. I bought a small Fiat Uno. Uh, I bought it from some lady on campus who sold it to me for 
10,000 rand. So I paid that cash for it. So um, I, I started the internet cafe in, in town and um, it wasn't doing quite well. Some of my, my schoolmates from Varsity had businesses, had started their own business and they were, their offices were, were somewhere around town. So they would come to my internet cafe shop to, to, to print out stuff, you know, to uh, bind stuff and, you know, to use the internet. Um, so I would get that uh, very uh, often times. So I got from there and then when I saw that the business wasn't doing quite well, I then saw the internet cafe shop and then I went full time. I registered the company. I went full time into branding graphic design and printing and my clientele then was government offices government departments and you know municipalities my business at that point was doing quite well i used to do corporate gift t-shirts golf shirts pants and all that and uh, i had my suppliers there was this guy who was doing my printing his name was ruin and at that point because i was a very open-minded person. I didn't really have any problem with anyone, whether white or black. So I did business with anyone, you know? And then uh, the first person that gave me my first breakthrough, I got my first job from the Department of Agriculture to print golf shirts. And it was a lot of golf shirts. It was quite heavy. At that point, I didn't have the capital. So the first person that gave me a break was uh, a lady called uh, Karen, uh, Karen, a white lady, she owned a, a, a company called KH Marketing. And I went to Karen. I said to Karen, listen, Karen, this is what I have. You know, I don't have the money to do this. <laughs> Karen looked at me and said, so what do you want me to do for you, David? I said, Karen, you know, I, I, I don't know if, uh, if you could assist me with, with this order that I have, you know? And she looked at me and she laughed. She said, you know, I wouldn't ordinarily do this for anyone. She did this stuff. She printed these golf shirts for me. She ordered for them, printed them, and she and her husband delivered it to my flat. I was so grateful. It was my first breakthrough. I got the stuff. I went and de delivered it to the department. When I got paid, I paid her. From that business, I bought two cars. I bought two cars, I bought a Baki. I branded the, the, the Baki with my business name. From that business, I was able to make enough money uh, to afford a wedding when I got married. <laughs> so, so that was you know, quite interesting at that point with that business. So I was uh, driving, you know, to Harib, you know, to take orders and to deliver stuff. I started to look for other avenues. Uh, I got in touch with a company, a manufacturing company in China. Um, I went to China 
and uh, they were manufacturing uh, GPS watches. So I got I got that. I I had an agreement with them, and then I went to the African countries where you had uh, high risk areas for expatriates. So together with my my sister's husband, we started that, and we got that done through the UK trade and industry. So the UK trade and industry said to us, listen, we have expatriates in the UK going to Nigeria and there's a lot of kidnapping and stuff like that. So this would be a good thing. So the UK trade and in industry now introduced us to the uh, British amb ambassador. So we went to Nigeria, met with the British ambassador and his team and presented this to them. And the British ambassador now got all the other embassies into a presentation and dinner at his house. Um, and then we, we presented to them, we met a lot of people, NGOs, uh, Marie Stop, I think. And then um, quite a number of the NGOs, I can't remember, we met a lot of them. We got the business cards, we did business with them. We gave them this, uh, we saw them the watches because you could track anybody with that watch. Um, so it was, it was good. And then uh, when that got a bit slow, I then got uh, employment at Liberty in Bluefontein, Liberty Life. Because at that point, I was traveling everywhere. I was always in China uh, to, to see these guys. And China was a place where I had never been before. And, you know, the, it, it was weird and strange with the food. And I was always at 7-Eleven store buying stuff to eat. I was always at KFC. And you know the funny thing when I got to that place in China, when I got to the restaurant to go eat, maybe a McDonald's or a KFC, people will come around me and they will be looking at me and they'll be laughing. And I would, I would wonder why they're laughing. So one of them would now say, will ask me, American? Uh, basketball, I'm like, yeah, whatever makes you happy. So because of my size, I was big and tall. They thought I was an American basketball player. So uh, you, you actually found people who would look at me weird because I was huge. And even when I wanted to go buy shoes from a shoe store, even before I walked through the door of the shoe store, the lady came to the door and told me, we don't have your size. Please don't even bother to come in. We don't have your size. So I, all I could buy when I was there was a um, wallet and a belt. I couldn't even buy shirts because the shirts were all small. When that got a bit slower, I went, I went uh, into employment at Liberty. Uh, Liberty, I was a financial advisor. Uh, but because I had this burning entrepreneurial spirit in me, I just couldn't stay still, you know. Uh, being uh, employed somewhere was just not it was just not me. So I I was at Liberty for about two years. I hopped out again and I started a new company. I started two companies. Uh, one of them was a partnership uh, with a very good friend of mine, Hein. Hein Duplessis, um, we formed a company called Brand New Africa. 
So this company was more into your corporate branding. So we actually did that and I also formed another company that I was going to use for infrastructure development and supplies. So myself and Hein decided that the brand new Africa company was going to be, we're going to take it into Africa. And uh, we established uh, contact. I established the contact and our first trip was to Uganda. During my trip to Uganda, I met the special advisor to the president. Uh, so we actually had a chat, we sat down, I met the Minister of Tourism, I met the Under Secretary as well, and talked about stuff that I needed to do um, uh, for them. So uh, one of the things that we did when myself and Hein was there, Hein went, when he left the uh, hotel, he went to the shop. At 11 p.m., the shop was still open. He bought some stuff. And he says, oh my goodness, he came back and he says, you know what? Uh, he wasn't scared. I said, were you supposed to be scared? He says, uh, you know, that he's white. I said, yeah, I can see that. Uh, he says that if he was in South Africa, he would have been scared to go out at night. I'm like, you know what? It's just all in your mind. So. So um, we actually had great time there and we met quite a, a number of people. And then from there, came back, I then made a trip again to South Sudan, where I met with the Vice President of South Sudan. And I had a discussion with the Vice President of South Sudan and I was going to propose to do a smart city for them. It was a new country. Uh, they just broke away from Sudan itself. Uh, so I proposed, I took uh, some video clips of architectural design for a smart city. So um, I presented that to the uh, vice president and he was excited. And I just needed to get funding for that. The total cost of that was about 2.8 billion US dollars. And if you ask me, do I have a fraction of that in my pocket? I just did not have. They were excited and they were telling me that they would want me to come and, you know, put this in place. And so I came back to South Africa. I got a team together, um, a team of architects, town planners, project managers, construction worker. So I got people together, we did a presentation, I got the delegation from South Sudan. I paid for them to come over to South Africa. We had a meeting in Johannesburg in a hotel. We presented everything that we could do, that we're going to do for that and, and all that. So it was, it was quite a very good um, presentation. But the problem was that I couldn't, I've not been able to get the, that amount of money for that project. But I'm still looking. Uh, I'm still looking. I'm not uh, deterred. The team is still ready to, to move in to go do the project as long as the money is available. That was at that point. And then just before the lockdown, I developed another company. Uh, this time, uh, a renewable energy company. Uh, I formed partnerships with uh, big solar companies. Uh, 
from uh, Sri Lanka, partnership with a company locally, uh, from partnership with another company based in the UK. So I have these companies who are willing, and then I then made contact with another company in China. Now, so these companies were the ones are the ones who I have on board with me, uh, ready to move in with the um, project. So uh, that is what I'm busy with currently. But with the lockdown and COVID nineteen, becomes a bit of a of a problem. So I'm working on that right now, and my focus is to power a whole state in one African country. So that is what I'm working on currently. One thing that I always tell people is that you need to be resilient. You need to understand that not everything is is supposed to be given to you on a platter of gold. Um, in other parts of Africa, people work and start from nothing to get something. It's all hard work, dedication, and resilience against odds, um, against odds presented to them in those countries. And we in South Africa, we tend to have the basic infrastructure we tend to have somewhat the support of government. And we oftentimes take it for granted. So this is, this is what I am passionate about. I want to be able to introduce South Africans to the business market, the opportunities on the other side of the African continent. And I've lived in London. I see the way the... European Union, you know, operate. And like I said to the Vice President of South Sudan, he asked me a question one time when I was with him in his house. He says to me, David, why is it that you have so much love for South Sudan? I said to him, Your Excellency, I'm an African. Anywhere I lay my head in Africa is home for me. South Sudanese people are my brothers. And whatever business I can do to uplift the life of people from here, why not? I wouldn't call myself a social entrepreneur, but it's a combination of a lot of things put together. So, so the concept of the European Union is not rocket science. It can be done. Uh, we just need to be able to find that platform. Find a platform to be able to like get people from from this point onto that point and see the best we can do. So that is basically the, the, the passion that I have. And that is what I would give out to South Africans when it comes to doing business um, in other parts of Africa. What builds partnerships? Your character, your personality. You have to have that personality. You have to have that, that resilience about you.
you have to have that self-confidence about you and you have to know that nothing is beyond you or beyond your achievement so you mustn't underestimate your capability as a person now that way when you come across people in terms of building partnerships and relationships in business they want to see that they're dealing with somebody who is confident and they want to see that they're dealing with somebody with a very good personality Definitely, I believe that as a proud Kofsi, I give my little best in terms of development of the institution that molded me. I had great fun memories and like a child, I sometimes would want to go back to those days because I was free. I had no worries and it was fun. You know, you met people. I had people from Namibia, from Botswana, from Swaziland, from Lesotho. All the international students were in one place. And we interacted with everyone, irrespective. So, um, I agree definitely that um, I believe that it's important that we give back to the institution. From my last words to um, students who are currently going through the process at the university and looking into a career when they uh, um, proceed out of um, the university, I would say to them, never underestimate yourself. Never undervalue yourself. Like the stock exchange, never put yourself down. Always look up to the sky, because the sky is always the limit. And always have respect for each other, and always be resilient. You need to look at a situation where you are a South African, and you need to look at a situation where you're not only building yourself but you're going to build your country and the people in your country so that is my parting words Voices from the Free State is produced and directed by Francois Van Skulvik and Keenan Carlzer. Post-production is provided by the UFS Alumni Office and production support by Adrian Hall. This podcast is produced for the UFS International Alumni Program. For further information regarding this series or to propose other alumni guests, 
please email us at alumnipodcasts at ufs.ac.za. Any views and opinions expressed in this recording are those of the individual guests and should not be attributed to the University of the Free State.